Welcome to the Dynasty Academy, Michael Washington Weeks. I, I've been accused of being a chase youther. Mark Angst. Want to hear something funny? Restart. Eli Manuel. Tom Brady had somebody to play footballs. Justin Herbert had somebody to play somebody's lawn. What are you? What are you handcuffing Tyler Boyd with Autumn Tate just in case? I have legal on too many apps. I don't know what to follow. Breaking news out of the NFL, a huge trade this past weekend uh, between the Los Angeles Rams, who apparently hate first-round draft picks, and the Detroit Lions, who apparently love first-round draft picks. Matthew Stafford gets traded from the Lions, which we all heard that there was going to be a parting of the ways. I did air quotes again. I did it again, guys. I'm sorry. Every single (laughs) time. Every single time. You guys can't see it. Uh, Matthew Stafford parting of the ways of the Lions, apparently... Half the NFL decided that they were going to contact the Lions to figure out what was going to happen there, and the Rams are the winners. They traded Jared Goff a third this year and two first rounds. Next year and the year after for Matthew Stafford. So they swap quarterbacks. The Lions get two first-round picks. Uh, What does this mean for fantasy purposes? I guess is the biggest question here. What does this do moving forward? Jared Goff's fairly young. He was the last first round draft pick that the Rams actually picked 2016. And he's now starting over with a new team. Same GM that drafted him. That's his boy. So there's that as, as well. Um, but they don't really have any receivers on roster right now. I mean, we know that they're going to probably sign somebody, but Quintus Cephas is the only dude that's on roster signed and maybe a couple other no-name dudes that we all know about but that we don't know about but uh well let's start with detroit first let's start there with jared goff what does this do for jared goff as far as his fantasy relevance is concerned and and moving forward in in any format really i mean it it definitely lowers him at this point i mean with with mcveigh you were always looking at like a 12 to 16 range qb with maybe some upside to hit top 10 in the overall fantasy QB type player just with that offense and the way it could go. But I mean, now you're looking at a low end QB two with hopes that he can stay in the middle range. And yeah, they don't, they don't have any wide receivers and, and I'm sure they're going to add some pieces, but who's to say anybody good is going to want to go there. I mean, yeah, we, we think Allen Robinson could go there, but does he really want to? I, I really think Allen Robinson wants to go to a team ready to win a championship. So even though I picked the Lions for him, I'm starting to really consider he might take less money and go somewhere where he's just going to win instead of taking all the money that he, like he did with Chicago. But I will say whoever they bring in as kind of that slot who – is more of a route technician than anything. He's the one who's going to get definitely built up like the Cooper Cup role because Goff doesn't doesn't really move the ball down the field all that much. But that would just be McVay's system, though. I mean, they well, were pretty we'll conservative. They were the most conservative football team last year in foot in the NFL. So, as far as uh, just the way that the numbers worked out, the Rams were the most conservative team. I mean, they have an elite defense. So, I mean, could that be just because they didn't trust Goff, or is that because that's just McVay's system? 
But did he really go down the field that much when they had Brandon Cooks? They did more with when Todd Gurley was there, but Gurley opened everything up because Gurley was still producing at that time. Yeah, more, but I, I just don't, I don't I don't look at Goff as the this big armed quarterback who wants to to chuck it deep a lot. Well, I mean, maybe like, it was McVeigh. I mean, well, I, I was just wondering, just because I just it just makes me wonder because I I know that they were the most conservative team last year, and I remember that when they had Cooks, they definitely pushed it down the field more. But Cooks isn't exactly the most explosive wide receiver in the world, but he does, he can break the top off of a off of a defense. But I, I just don't. I, I just didn't know if maybe that was just the changing of the guard and they just decided to go more conservative or if that was just a golf thing. Eli, you're, you're a Green Bay fan. What do you think about this here with, with golf in Detroit? Yeah, so I've been thinking about it and golf, young, like you said, 26. Um, he's got a lot of years ahead of him. I wonder the same thing with the system, though. They throw a lot of screen passes. They're all constantly in motion, slams. They don't push it down the field a lot, like you said. But that's kind of the strength of that offense for the most part. I mean, look at Robert Woods, Cooper Cup being able to do what they can with the ball in their hands. Um, we don't know what Detroit's going to look like right now. We've got Quintez Cephas, who is kind of a guy that can push it down the field. They got TJ Hawkinson. We've seen Goff use tight ends. I think right now Hawkinson's value is down. If we get something like or Allen Robinson in there, that could be really interesting. I don't think Goff is. Yeah, I think he's a above average game manager, but my worry is we didn't see it with the Rams in an elite defense. They weren't quite able to push it all the way over the top. And Detroit's got a lot of rebuilding to do. So three years from now, well, you just touched base on what I'm thinking with Jerry Goff. And for me, it was a complete opposite at this point. And for me, it's if you can buy him, buy him now. Because Mark did mention that he's probably fallen down a few notches. So he's going to be fairly cheap for oh, the most yeah. part, even in super flex leagues. But think about the Detroit Lions and where they're at. Right now, they don't really have a lot of weapons. They can sign a few pieces. I mean, they only have one receiver on roster. I don't know necessarily what their cap space looks like. I know that they probably, my guess is it's probably closer to the green than the red but uh they have five first round picks in the next three years so they can put the pieces around in place plus deandre swift there running back to be able to help build that whole team up new regimen a gm that loves golf so you know that he's probably going to be secure there for a little while i mean he would really have to have like a carson wins historical type bad year for two years in a row I think for him to be completely gone from Detroit. So I, I, if you can, this would be the buy window now for me, uh, especially in dynasty and just kind of grit through it. If you can, if you, if you're, if you're able to do it, grit through it for this year. Cause I mean, obviously this year, I think we kind of expect it to be kind of rough with a new system, a lot of new weapons, new surroundings, but let's just say they land Jamar Chase or Devonte Smith at seven. I mean, are we really going to be that upset with Goff getting a weapon like that? No, that's the thing, though. There is potential for, especially in like, you know, two years, three years, system develops around. They're able to bring in pretty much an all entirely new offense for the most part and new quarterback, uh, extra first round draft picks now. 
I think in a couple of years we could have, I mean, DeAndre, if they can turn this around quickly, we got DeAndre Swift's there right now about to, in the next couple of years, we could have DeAndre Swift in his prime with Jared Goff and a new system with potentially some elite weapons at quarterback. So, or wide receiver and or their quarterback. Yeah. Hawkinson still love him at tight end. I think his value may dip a little bit and that's another time to go in and try to make a trade. Yeah, but but could Hawkinson kind of take the kind of Cooper Cup role that in that middle of the field where Goff seems to like to throw the ball? I mean, yeah, he had Higby and Everett, but I just don't know if Higby and Everett are as good as TJ Hawkinson. What happens if Hawkinson gets 10 targets a game? Well, right. My other thing is, too, is don't sleep on the fact that the head coach there is a former tight end and tight end coach. I doubt that he's going to go to Detroit and allow TJ Hawkinson to just kind of fall by the wayside. So this is going to be a new system. And not feast. You know, yeah, just, every, everybody's worried about Goff not throwing to the tight ends, but that just might be McVay's system working uh, from the outway in. Great tight ends. Where, well, I mean, that too. But I mean, but it might be the system also working from the outside in in comparison to where I expect this offense to work from the inside out. Now, looking at some of Goff's analytics, he had 54 deep attempts in 2019. Okay, so that's with Brandon Cooks. This year he had 48. That puts him right around number 20 for the year average between the two. So he didn't he didn't really take many less ones and I mean I don't know who was who's the deep ball guy there this year. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, they're not really deep guys. So they still took deep shots. Um, I think Woods probably Josh I think Reynolds Woods gets a few of them. I think Reynolds got a few just because it was Reynolds and he's on the roster. So I don't see Cup. So no, no, Cup is. Cup, Cup and Woods are so fantastic. They mirror each other, though. They're literally almost identical wide receivers. I mean, that's. Much so, yeah. So know. now his, his deep ball completion percentage was 29.6% in 2019. And in 2020, he was 27.1% puts him around number 30 in the NFL for quarterbacks. Yeah. So I don't know if he's just not great with it. Hey, so we'll hey, see. One of his biggest knocks coming out was his deep ball inaccuracy. So, I mean, it's very possible that it just never de- quite developed. And that's why the Rams are like, goodbye. I mean. Who did who did Detroit add as their OC? Uh, was it Anthony Lynn? Did they Anthony, get Anthony, Lynn, Lynn? Anthony Lynn. They added Anthony Lynn. Yes, he is their offensive coordinator there in Detroit now. So I mean, Anthony Lynn had Philip Rivers for three years, who's a guy who would take shots, but he's not. You know, especially this late in his career, wasn't great at it. But he still was able to make it work with Philip Rivers, and then you know had Justin Herbert this year, rookie who I don't know has the greatest deep ball talent either, but was able to get what he could get out of him. So, Anthony Lynn could be a good OC for Jared Goff. I, I think that if there's ever going to be a chance that he's going to develop into a better quarterback, it's going to be with Anthony Lynn as offensive coordinator. But I mean, this should be I mean, don't, wheels just, up for Swift. I mean, for me, Justin Herbert is le- going to be leaps and bounds better than Goff. Oh yeah, but you know, I, I mean, I think across I don't know the his board, deep ball was his his best play though either. But he was he was taking the shots this year as he had know, a bigger people, arm than Goff though. So I mean, it might be. It, it, I, I, I would utilize it at Oregon. Yeah, I'd have to see the analogs on it. 
But uh, Swift is definitely, I think, somebody who definitely benefits from having Goff come in. I mean, Stafford was good throwing to the running back, so that it doesn't. I don't think it changes much for Swift because Goff always targeted his running backs, especially when they had Gurley going, like they did. If this offense plays from the inside out, like I think it's going to do through the running backs and tight ends, then it's definitely going to be Hawkinson and Swift season. I mean, no. Well, doubt I mean, look, it. just look at Anthony Lynn though. Even as when he was the head coach, you you had Hunter Henry there that they would Antonio Gates. Donald Parham got targets this year on that team. Austin Eckler has gotten many targets as as a running back out of the backfield oh, yeah. for that team. Melvin Gorbin always had targets coming yeah. out of the backfield. So, you know, that, for the running back, and I I do truly think Hawkinson is going to be perfectly fine. If Detroit gets Allen Robinson, I think that it will open things up even more because then it will mirror a lot more of what the Chargers did with Anthony Lynn when Anthony Lynn was there. Because Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, probably on the same level. You only need two receivers then. If you've got the well, tight end right. and the running back. Exactly. You don't need to go out of your way to go after all these weapons on wide receiver. Now, on the flip side, guys, what does this do for Matthew Stafford with the Rams? Who takes a hit here? What does this look like as far as, you know, I mean, they're in it to win it. They think that Stafford can bring him there. A lot of people don't think so. I think Stafford's better than what most people give him credit for, but what does this do for that offense now? We're talking about going a gunslinger, going to the most conservative offense in football. He's he's more of a gamer, though, than Jared Goff is, and that could be what L.A. kind of wanted because I don't – I mean, Stafford definitely is a better deep ball passer, but otherwise I don't know that they're that different overall, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford. The only difference with Matthew Stafford is he will put himself on the line to win a game I don't know if Goff has that in him. I've always kind of felt bad for Stafford because I've always thought he was better than, like you said, people give him credit for. Like uh, going into last season, I had him ranked in my top 10 for Dynasty. I was trying to get him everywhere. And I think this is going to be good. I don't, like you said, with the way this offense operates, who are they going to get these deep shots to? Because we need Matthew Stafford throwing the deep ball. They don't really have anybody right now that, can really fulfill a role like that. The interesting thing for me here is this is the most complete team that Matthew Stafford has ever had. Oh, yeah. He hasn't even taken, a da- even taken, taken a snap for this team yet, and it's already the most complete team. Who does He's this benefit? Never. This is my question is, who does this benefit, though? Because Marvin Jones played really, really well, and Marvin Jones kind of strikes me as that Robert Woods and Cooper Cup type player. Over-the-middle, tough possession receiver, uh, not necessarily breakaway speed, but we'll get you, you know, 15, 20 yards if you need, you know, 14 or 19 yards type of player. So obviously those two guys, I think we're, we're in agreement are okay. Does this hurt the running backs? Does this open things up for the running backs? Because they were the most conservative offense in football. And now you have a gunslinger that can kind of open things up, but who's the guy that's going to take the top off? Do they draft a guy? Do they maybe go and get a Will Fuller? If they can afford him. See, Stafford never really had that guy. Well, Stafford what, always Johnson, had the, right? Was he was playing with Johnson, right? But that's what I mean. He had the big fast receiver. Kenny Galladay is a bigger fast receiver. Calvin Johnson was a big fast receiver. So a, a Will Fuller isn't I mean, they never they've never really used that in Detroit. I don't know that they ever had anybody, but Golden Tate, Marvin Jones. 
those those guys have thrived in this offense opposite of a Calvin Johnson, a Kenny Galladay. What, like you said before, Woods and Cup are very similar to each other. So they don't open each other up for the most part. They they need and Van Jefferson doesn't do it either. I was like Van Jefferson kind of mirrors them too. Like it's kind and of a, Josh Reynolds is not really no. that type of guy. They can keep trying to do it. It doesn't work. Gerald Everett could do it from the tight end position, but it, Gerald Everett's just not good. Who's a speed size specimen in this draft? You want to know how similar they are? <laughs> oh, I, I I have a pretty good idea, but wow. Cooper Cup and Robert Cooper Woods. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Yes. Yeah. Yards per reception yeah. and yards per target within 0.5 for each of them. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like um, both of them are right around 50% of their total receiving yards being yards after the catch. They're yeah, they're almost identical here across the board. And it's like <laughs> yards per target number 70. That's a lot of those screens, those bubble screens, yeah, those little right by the yeah. All the time. They, they, they thrive though. They Stafford thrive. Stafford doesn't like Stafford has never really done that a lot in his career. He, Who was the running back that they always used out of the backfield to catch passes? Riddick. Yeah, Theo Riddick. Riddick. Yeah. He and he he thrived with Stafford. Oh yeah. As I love that him kind of guy. So well, I don't worry about that type of player with no with Stafford, but but we want it. who's the the highest value option here. What about Kenny be... Galladay? You think you're going to sign him? <laughs> do they have Do they have the money to? Well, I, I, I'm just I'm I'm just uh, bringing yeah. it up because you mentioned Galladay in Detroit with Stafford, and he is a free agent. I mean, if 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 Sean McVay is really going to be this offensive genius minded person that that everybody thinks he is, he could meld a little bit of what Matthew Stafford does by bringing in Galladay and still working in his system. It right. just depends on what if they can afford him. I guess would probably be the biggest bet. I mean, that's the only thing I can't. That's the only thing I can think of. Right now, the L.A. Rams are negative thirty-five million to the cap. <laughs> They're a they cap are, nightmare. <laughs> they are the thirtieth-ranked cap team in the league. But like you said, these teams always figure it out. Yep, they do. I mean, but but this. I say that though, but the only caveat to that this year is the cap is going down. Teams always seem to figure it out when the cap goes up. This will be very interesting this offseason. The other yeah. thing though is is they have sixty three players signed right now. So yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Who who in this draft class is that Chase Claypool would actually be a good re- receiver for them. He is yep. the size speed specimen type guy. Mm-hmm. Who's who's Chase Claypool in this draft? That's, well, the problem is they don't have a first, and I don't think they have a second round pick. I don't believe so either. But that doesn't mean they can't find who who's no. no is well, what, no. What, but I'm just saying that you, you're losing out on the, the 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 opportunity. And I believe that their first third round pick was the one that they traded to Detroit. So they only have the two compensation picks that they got from the Lions hiring their current GM, Brad Holmes. So I think that that's at the bottom, the second half of the third round, the late third, the compensation picks in the third. Well, yeah, they're always the end of the rounds. So, I mean, I don't even know if they don't even have a first pick until, I mean. I mean Diami Brown. He's he's a speed. What is he, 6'1", 6'2"? Yes, I mean, he's listed at 6'1". 
And he's he's not a guy that's probably going to go in the first two rounds. Nico no. Collins, Michigan. <laughs> what and how big is Nico? Yeah, Nico's what six six, six two, four two fifteen six oh six four yeah okay. <clears throat> well, I just was thinking bringing it up, just thinking about it because I mean, yeah, there's possible in the third round and stuff, but it then goes to be well, okay, is everybody going to learn a system like Chase Claypool did? Oh, I'm I'm you just I mean? I'm not saying they'll be somebody like that. I'm just saying that. That's what they need to look for. Yeah, is someone similar to that? So, do we think this was a good trade at all? So they they do have a second round pick. I mean, oh, they, they have do. The 50, okay. Oh, they have fi- pick fifty seven in the second round. Okay. I, I, I according to this, they don't have anything other than a second, a sixth, and a seventh. Well, they haven't. So they haven't done the compensation. Comp picks yet. haven't been added, but I'm right. but just thinking about that. Without two comp picks that they'll get, which okay, that's fine. Two two late thirds. They have a second, a sixth, and a seventh in this draft right now. Okay, I, I thought they might have traded their second, but okay, yeah. Well, I mean, at least that's a that's a good spot to possibly land a guy that they really think that they could contribute right away. But the, if they go if they, if they go receiver, they may not even go receiver. Right. I mean, they offensive line is going to be an issue that they need linebacker. They need a linebacker. I mean, linebacker was probably their weakest position. That's what cost them their game really against green bay was the linebackers i mean they just couldn't stop anybody out of the <laughs> anybody in over the middle at all i mean we watched that game they were in it they had an opportunity and chance but they just couldn't stop anybody at the linebacker position it's kind of like cleveland they just couldn't stop anybody at that linebacker position so so what do we think I, about the trade overall though is a stafford I, a guy I, that you want for a year and then trade him is he a guy that you maybe just want to avoid what, what's the yeah, well, I mean, for fantasy purposes, I mean, we talked about Jared Goff, and, and I mentioned, you know, buy now for a long term. If you can sit and wait, what's the Stafford deal? Is it the flip-flop? Is it the opposite, or does it matter I with mean, him? I, I, I don't think he shoots up rankings that he became becomes some high-value asset. I mean, if, if he has a great season and he ends up in the top ten of quarterbacks, sell, because it's – He's no different than Jared Goff. He's going to ebb and flow just how if if Woods and Cup can get yards after the catch because they don't have a deep threat guy for him to get the extra yard. So if if they have a great offensive season where he, he gets touchdowns and, and the extra yards after the catch type plays, sell him quick. I mean, I don't mind buying him this year, but as long as you're buying him as a mid quarterback too, which is where he's been probably his whole career. Okay. I mean, do you think he breaks in the QB1 at this point? I think Stafford's been close to a QB1, hasn't he? For the most part? Hasn't he been real close for the most part? You know? I mean, Kirk, I mean, because Kirk Cousins, because Kirk Cousins has been right around 12, 13. I mean, Stafford's going to be right around there. Yeah? Yeah, you know, I'll look up his, his <clears throat> overall. So, Stafford has been, so this is going back, I'm not going to, count his first two seasons because I think there was an injury season in there and once obviously his rookie season. So from 2011 on, he was 5, 9, 7, 15, 8, 6, 7, 19, 29, and 15. Now 29 in 2019 was also another injury season. So really he's been hovering right around 15, so a top 15 guy. He was top, that's 10. What, he was top 10 at the beginning, but he's been right around 15 now. But that's that's been with tons of yards because he's not really been a 
a big touchdown guy. His best season was 41, and then his second best is 32. Other than that, he's never been over 30. I got, I got to say, though, I'm kind of impressed with those numbers because of how many friggin' systems that dude's had to learn. How many different head coaches have come in and out of that place. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they they literally have had, what, at least five head coaches since he's been in the league? Six, maybe? Five? It's had to have had at least five, right? Five head coaches? Yeah. Since 2009? I don't think they've had five head coaches in 11 years. I feel like Detroit gets a new head coach every year. I don't think it's that. How long was Caldwell there? Caldwell was there for what, four years? They went to the playoffs with him. Yeah, and then they friggin' fired him for some reason and brought in Patricia. (laughs) And then Patricia got fired, and they're bringing in Campbell now. So, I mean, he won't be there with Campbell, but Patricia Caldwell, who was before Caldwell. I mean, he's got to ha- it's got to be right around four or five head coaches since 2009. I can't imagine that he's had anything less. All right. So Jim Schwartz was his his coach for four years. Caldwell was there. Uh, Schwartz probably would have been five years. Caldwell was there for. So it's been three head coaches then. Okay. Schwartz, no, including... Caldwell, Patricia. Not, not, not including, including the interim head coach, yeah. No, yeah, okay. Really. Some reason I thought it was at least four or five. Well, that's because they turn over players every couple of years, though. That team seems to be rebuilding every four to five years. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, then. Well, what else? Are we I, think, well, I think the wide receivers are safe for both. I mean, we'll see what, what wide receivers Detroit has. I just don't know that it does anything really for the quarterback values of either one of them. I mean, just for me, it's just a, it's just more of a buy now if you can for Goff because he's going to be super cheap. That's the only thing for me. Because I think in two to three years, if they if if Brad Holmes builds this team similar to how he built the Rams, I think Goff can get back to being right around that hovering high end quarterback two, low end quarterback one status. That's my only thing. And you can get him cheap right now. You got to weather the storm though. At least a year. We are currently in a draft. It's a campus to Canton draft, right? Strategy. I want to talk strategy tonight. Campus to Canton. So basically, if you guys don't know what a campus to Canton league is, there's an NFL team. Then you draft Debbie players to make up a college team. In this format, the college players will score for you. It will be a basic scoring just to make it easier on myself and Mark, who will co-assist me. On that in that strategy, um, this thing was my idea. Yep, this one was your yeah. This one was your idea, and basically the starting requirement. Well, it's your idea, Mark. Why don't you tell us what the starting requirements are? I mean, I think I had a little bit bigger of a twist, but why don't you go ahead and just let them know what the starting what starting requirements are? Well, yeah. So we we did two campus to Canton leagues last year, and looking at them, I, I was thinking about the quarterback position, and how hard it is to really pinpoint quarterbacks from college and how good they could be. I mean, Mac Jones came out of nowhere. Kyle Trask came out of nowhere. Zach Wilson came out of nowhere. So I thought, well, why don't we make it more open? So that way, if, if people don't hit on their quarterbacks from the, the college drafts, they don't, 
get screwed coming in as they come into the NFL. So we decided to do three super flex and then nine flex positions overall, just, just to give everybody more fluidity without having to kind of stick to a specific roster. Cause figuring out college players is, is difficult being figuring out NFL players isn't easy. So college gets even worse. And now we have to look even into high school players almost coming into college. So I said to Michael, I said, one, I want to do a very, very deep draft. Because another thing I looked at was, you know, I think we went, what, 20 rounds was our deep one last year? 20 rounds was our deepest one last year, yep. And there was players coming in, you know, to this season who started to show out who should be on someone's, you know, could end up coming to the NFL and weren't drafted at all. And this this free agent frenzy that we're going to have on them is going to be crazy. So, (laughs) yeah. I was like, I was like, let's do one really deep league where we have 40 college players per team. So we can, I mean, we, we weren't scratching depth charts of some of the, even the power five teams to get down into their second, third, fourth, fifth wide receivers that will be the guys in the next couple of years. And they're just never going to be able to be drafted. They're going to go through the entire college and then come out. So I figured let's try this. And so to clarify 13, the college side, oh, go ahead, Mark. Is it is it thirteen total positions in the NFL? Our NFL teams. The NFL starting? team is 13, uh, 12, 12 Is total. it nine? Twelve. Sorry, nine, nine and three. three. It's twelve. It's twelve yeah. total. At the college level, it will be twelve. Um, it will mimic. It's going to end up mimicking the NFL side. It's just going to be two super flex instead of three. That's the only right. difference. But still, all flexes. Will, and that will be best ball format. So you don't have to actually start players. We will put in Eli, as always, of course, offered an awesome template that I need to fix up. Our nerd. Basically, basically, it will just be plugging in names and then just plugging in the numbers. And then we'll just take each team's best 12 and we'll add that score to the whatever score is in the league. And that's going to determine your winner and loser, basically. So... That's campus nutshell. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, let's talk strategy because because there's no limits on draft picks and there's three super flex spots. How did you tackle the draft, Eli? Let's start with you. Let's put you on the spot. Let's throw it right in there. I'm first going to complain about the fact that we draft back (sighs) to back to back to back with Drez. Yes. (laughs) Who's not here? Oh man, this is the, this is like the third time this has happened to us in the last two years. Every time in a different order. It doesn't it matter where you have, no, It makes it no sucks difference. Taking, <laughs> it sucks taking my player, and then you three get to go boom, 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 <laughs> and then three, boom, 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 before I get another pick. That, uh, uh, anyways, uh, so my draft strategy here. Was, was there was no strategy? There was no strategy <laughs> starting out. I, I don't... My main strategy is go and get your guys. I let my first pick typically decide if I even have any type of strategy after that, but 99% of my picks are best available, let's say. So this with being nine uh, flex and three super flex requirement... I started out, wanted to start out young and went Justin Jefferson yeah, at the yeah. 108, right ahead of uh, my dear friends here. <laughs> and uh, 
I did not even feel bad about it. So uh, went Justin Jefferson because with the age, I can build around that, and there's there's no requirement here. I do not have to start a running back if I don't want to start a running back. And one thing that I always go by is when you start having flex spots in leagues, the more flex spots you have and the more deeper those starting lineups are, it's okay to have a couple of boom, bust, random outlier guys that sit on the flex, or you say, I'm going to punt the tight end position, which is fine. And you should always punt it. Consider <laughs> the tight end position, your third or fourth flex. And then you're just looking for decent tight end points at that other flex spot, right? You just need points from somewhere. So Justin Jefferson started it out. I did go Russell Wilson. I knew it was going to get sketchy when Jonathan Taylor went 103. Oh, man. <sighs> I had a feeling he was going to go there, too. The guy who took him literally had been having the discussion with me before we even before I even brought this lead together that he was going to target Jonathan Taylor wherever it was that he landed in the startup draft. So at 108, my top three, obviously my hope was good, was Jonathan Taylor, Herbert, or Jefferson. That decision got made for me, so. It's always easier when the decision gets made for you. Yeah, I don't mind it all the time. I mean, you made my decision for me at 109 right behind you when you took Jefferson, so it worked out all right. What'd you take? <laughs> uh, rookie pick 101. Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Najee Harris. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> well, I so, so I drafted the 101 and immediately just threw everybody else off in the league that doesn't normally draft with me and by saying, or is it Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> because it's an all flex. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and it still possibly might not be Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> it's Trevor Lawrence. My quarterbacks look all right. <laughs> it's Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> what? I'm just Did you saying. just say your quarterbacks are all right? Did you they're all right. utter those words? Yeah, they're all right. Really? Yeah, my quarterbacks are okay. Really? I'm okay with my I'm okay with my quarterbacks. Well, Mark, what, what are my quarterbacks? You're you're right there looking at it, right? What's, what's, what's my quarterbacks? Jared Goff and Jameis Winston. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't say I, I, whatever I lack at quarterbacks, I can make up for in the Debbie side, right? That's what the whole you are is. you are right. not passing on Trevor Lawrence. I can guarantee it. Well, our good buddy Drez has 102, so if I do, I can gift him in the mouth, and he can just buy me a birthday present coming up here in April. So. <laughs> You know, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing with this league is with the, it's got a little bit modified scoring to try to balance things out a little bit. Yeah, I, I had to do it. Uh, I still didn't do as good a job as I wanted to, nah, um, but good. but it's all right. I'm going to be all right with it. I'll see what we can happen, but it's, it's fine. <laughs> well, I can't change it now. We already started the draft, but it didn't quite balance out the way that I wanted it to, but it's not a big deal. I'm sure that we'll balance itself out over, over time. The way I was looking at this, though, was I can play any position I want, and that's the best part, right? I did. I've not drafted a single tight end. The only tight end I would have drafted would have been Kelsey because Kelsey outscored just about everybody in this league scoring format. I, it's just you got to look at your settings because that that's a big driver for me is and make sure you're actually looking at where they were ranked for that league scoring settings and not just in like an ESPN ranking or a sleeper ranking because I'm trying for let's see, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, T 
Higgins. That was another one, didn't wasn't it? Yeah, that was another snipe. Allen Robinson. James Robinson. James Robinson. James Robinson. Robert Woods. I did get my Dream Peoples Johnson. And Odell. He took yeah. Odell. He you took Odell. Took, that was uh, a little surprising to me. I mean, I took Odell Beckham tenth round. I was surprised because you already own him and already played that game with him as it is. So I didn't know you want to play it again. <laughs> yeah. OBJ. I'll try it. This is my first Allen Robinson share. I've never drafted him before. I don't think I've ever drafted I, Robert Woods either. I kind of went like I was just going best player available for how I felt there because I, that's the best part about this is there is zero concern here for any sort of roster construction other than maybe I want to start more than two quarterbacks. It's There's so much freedom here that it's it makes it a lot easier to kind of just go through. And T. Higgins, though, really high on. And the fact that I got T. Higgins around before Allen Robinson, people were going, what, what's, what's that, Michael? Michael's making hand gestures like he does sometimes. Twice. Twice. Round one with Justin Jefferson, round five with T. Higgins. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. And by the way, that was me giving the bird, just so you guys know. And no, I don't need a dove. <clears throat> yeah. Twice. I love yeah, that. Don't. <laughs> Alan Robinson. I can't believe I thought for sure one of you guys was going to take him after Drez took Keenan Allen. Well, well, I mean, I mean, if you looked at my strategy, you should have known I wasn't taking Alan Robinson. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Mark Fall Young. Mark went my normal strategy or a strategy that I was going to employ. I kind of based it off his. I, I normally go running back, running back in this draft, in this type of class. Well, I, I, I normally go running back, running back in a, in a regular standard type of like you have to start type, you know, minimum start. But because it's all flex across the board, I, I, I changed it up. I took DK Metcalf in a second, which I'm pretty sure shocked everyone. Blew my mind. I'm pretty sure Mark said that, that was the biggest shock of the draft so far. Is it still, still the biggest shock of the draft? Yes. By the way, our uh, draft order for wide receivers overall was Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, then AJ Brown. And I have AJ Brown rated higher than DK Metcalf for me. I just didn't have a share, and I figured I might as well go get a share. Uh, I will tell you guys right now on the podcast for all you listeners out there that there is a good chance he will not be on my roster at the start of the season. He will not be on his roster. (laughs) 99% chance he will not be. 99% chance he will not be on my roster at the start of the season. Uh, And then I came back with two young running backs. Uh, Miles Sanders kind of concerns me a little bit with Seriani's awesome systems, smart systems, systems in place that are simple but hard for the opposing team smart systems because they're going to have systems if you guys saw it, haven't seen that, oh, i've seen it if you guys haven't seen the press conference please please hit one of us up so you can see the press conference it was something special uh i got two first round rookies so i kind of went young i wanted to make sure that i was getting you know some some of the guys chenault debo samuels edwards Corey davis they'll probably Corey davis probably my oldest him and Devonte parker i took parker on a fly just fingers crossed type stuff Jameis winston hopefully and a couple of rookie picks in here so my strategy here was basically what my normal strategy is just kind of spun off what mark did a little bit uh we like to call it year one rebuilds so we'll see i don't know uh, my strategy here was just more or less the the hope i hit 
type strategy. Take stay young and and get some guys that are in place that that have produced in in certain areas or could produce. And obviously the bet, cat's out of the bag now. I am taking Trevor Lawrence at 101, um, and I got the stack with Lavisca Chenault. So I uh, hopefully that will hit with Jacksonville and Urban Meyer out there. So uh, assuming Jacksonville takes them. <laughs> yeah, that's where. <laughs> That's, Assuming yes, Jacksonville yes. takes him. I mean, right. if not, then Mark will have to talk about Denzel Mims. As far as draft strategy goes, when to me, the only two really viable options of, to actually say draft strategy, right, is you either go in with that mentality of I'm going to just take the young assets that I want to hold on to for a long period of time, and I know I'm going to have to wait maybe two, three, maybe even four years to really compete. Um, but you're just making sure that you get a good solid young base, which is what you're kind of doing there. You can go full win now and just draft superstars like certain people and <laughs> you know well, uh, I, go for the win that year. I, I think the biggest thing for me is I, I've been accused of being a chase youther, youth chaser. I said that backwards. That's how cool. cool I mean, I got called a youth chaser for taking Justin Jefferson. (laughs) I've been, I've been considered a youth chaser for, for years, but I've never really considered it being a youth chaser as much as it is just building my team from the bottom up. You know, I, I, I fully trust myself in rookie drafts and Debbie drafts. So, you know, if I can get some young assets that are in the NFL level that, you know, might take a year or two to develop, I'm going to do that over taking a guy that's going to be off my roster and, in a year or two because he's you know 32 33 years old type stuff so mark you're the one that has to told about your strategy but we've kind of discussed this a little bit but that's basically so, what you did so i did a completely different strategy than i've ever done in any dynasty league ever first off i i was going in pretty much knowing i was going to take a quarterback with my first round pick because i am very much one who will say late round quarterback but after last year, if you don't have at least one really, really good quarterback, you sweat out a lot of weeks hoping that late-round quarterback might hit. And in the middle of the season, when weather is a bad in a lot of places in these games, it affects a lot of quarterbacks. So I was hoping for Josh Allen. I mean, he didn't make it very close to me at all, but Deshaun Watson – is a not a bad consolation prize with how bad of a team he had last year and how good of numbers he put up with how bad his team was. So I was happy to get this, Sean. I actually was at that point. I didn't, I wasn't planning on doing the strategy. I ended up doing, I didn't even consider it with my second pick of Saquon Barkley. Now he's still only 24. So he fits right in. I didn't screw it up by taking somebody else. But at that point, I was looking at how this draft was going, and I was watching the uh, J.K. Dobbins, the Cam Makers, the Jonathan Taylors, the Jonathan Jefferson start to go early. And I went, hmm, yep. I think I'm going to try, which a lot of people have talked about over the last probably year or two, are these year one go full youth in the startup draft, and plan on having, I mean, I won't, there won't be rookie picks in this draft, but 
plan on having a team that won't compete year one, but by years two, three, four, five, have a contender that could last for years. Now, I one thing that changes this though is also the the flex positions. I mean, I took some young running backs in the middle of the draft, but at one point I went three straight wide receivers. And even before that, I went two straight rookie picks, which where they are are either going to probably be quarterback or wide receiver. I mean, they're right in the middle of the first round. So I'm sitting at a point where I could take the best running back available, the best wide receiver available, the best quarterback available, because, you know, picks one through four are probably pretty, pretty well known what they're going to be at this point. I think my oldest player is Mitchell Trubisky at 26 at this point. And I only took a flyer on Trubisky who, you know, could be the starter for the bears. You know, he's only 26 as a starting quarterback. Um, I've been sniped quite a few times, not only by these guys, by the guy on the end of the draft, actually. I, uh, I was targeting Preston Williams and Quintess Sivas on those turns that came around hoping to get both of those guys. So, lost out on those guys and these three knuckleheads all around me keep stealing players I want also I did uh I did give one to Michael though when I took Michael Pittman I knew that was going to be his pick and I knew I couldn't wait to take Pittman at that point so jumped all over yep. that you got me I mean I got Chase Edmonds Tony Pollard and, and Daryl Henderson yes all three running backs probably are backups next year but our three very young talented running backs who easily could be the starters on their team. But those are also guys that could he be trade pieces as the handcuff to somebody else's starting running back too. So it'll be interesting to see how this strategy for me plays out. Cause I'm probably more of the Eli strategy of this draft where it's just best player. Age doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Usually, I'll just take who I think is the best player at that point. This year, I was passing up guys like Allen Robinson and Robert Woods and players like that just to, to go chase the – And you were drafting them because I, I wanted to see, you know, if I go full young, what does my team look like in three years? Because I've, I've done the, you know, mix it up, and I've won some, I lost some. I've turned them into full rebuilds anyway, so – I figured let's try something new with this one. But I will say the whole flex thing, I didn't completely commit to that thinking probably until round three when I went, oh, I don't really need to worry about running backs as much right now. Just take what I think is the best young player at that point. So hey, you don't you don't need to worry about having uh two extra running backs on your roster if you don't want to. Well, I mean, that's the main reason why, even though I mean, I took two running backs and three and four, but they're both young guys between Sanders and Gibson. And then after that, I didn't touch it again until Rashad Penny. I mean, I, I, I considered Sanders at that point. I, yeah. I very much almost took him, but I was like, eh, let's go with the rookie pick. But but I mean, I got three running backs. And how often do you have a, a, my team, a team that's run by me, have less than five? So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, for me, it's just – and I got 112. So, I mean, who knows what could be that that pick there. But my guess is it's probably going to be more of a receiver. Uh, I just at, – at that particular moment in time, it, it's hard to tell. But 
you know, and that's basically where my strategy was. You know, I hit with I, I drafted a guy like Corey Davis, hoping that he hits again. Brian Edwards, hoping that he hits in Las Vegas. Van Jefferson, hoping that he carves out a role in, with with the Rams. Um, next that was year. a snipe. Yeah. I probably tilted a little bit taking Trubisky with the next pick because I wanted either Van Jefferson <laughs> or Marlon Mack, and both uh. went within three picks of my <laughs> pick. So, yeah. So I mean. I don't know. I just kind of, you know, Devontae Parker was more of a, just a wind guy. He's probably the oldest guy on my roster at what point was he? 27. That one, that one did surprise me a little bit. Yeah. Does, does anything about, how do you feel about the way that a lot of these picks have gone? Like when we look at Allen Robinson, I mean, we did just talk about Keenan Allen. Why does he won? And he won the sixth round. Yep. Well, I mean, Julio Jones and nine. Common, yeah, Julio is falling so far, especially dynasty startups like this. But I'm not surprised fact, with Julio, though. I mean, but what just, is he but on? Just, but just the fact that it's an all flex spot. I mean, I'm not surprised he fell. But I mean, to the ninth, even you take a look at guys that went ahead of him, like DJ Chark. I'm you know, not Devo. though. But Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott went 406. Some of these guys I mean, don't realize this flex thing fully to themselves either. Well, right. Well, it, but I mean, I'm just more or less throwing out the fact that what to what Eli was getting at, are, are we surprised to see some of these guys fall? And, you know, realistically, no and yes. I mean, without the flex, you know, the flex spots obviously play a, a part into it. I mean, we have one guy that's drafted all tight ends and quarterbacks, you know? I so, mean, Derrick Henry at, in the fifth round was a surprise. I right, but I mean, second year contract. The second year contract, guys. Who was the highest second second year contract running back taken? Dalvin Cook. Cal Kamara. Kamara was. Oh, sorry, yeah. no, sorry, CMC. Oh, that's right. CMC is a second yeah. year contract guy too. So, Kamara. and he went second. I mean, that surprised me actually. CMC number two was a little surprising. Yes, I mean Kamara went pick four. The after those two, though, the next second-year contract was Cook in the in the second. But this is a guy who is going for the win now, so that's not surprising. Right, but then, then after, just... after that, the next one would have been Zeke in the fourth round, again to the same guy trying for the win now. Yeah, and then so I mean, I guess really outside... again yeah, to so... the same guy. Yeah, so I mean, outside of CMC and and, and Kamara, who. I mean, I expected them to go in the first. It just they went higher than I expected, but then it was just a huge drop off. Which, obviously, if this is a twelve-team minimum start running back, Dalvin Cook's going in the first round, in my opinion. Oh, okay. yeah, I, I don't mean, see him falling would, out of the top twelve. So things would change for sure. But I mean, Joe Mixon in the seventh, yeah, seventh round for a guy who was going late first, early second last year. Yeah. So it's just it, the strategy just changes. You see it all over the place. So I mean, Allen Robinson falling you know, probably a third team, third contract type situation. So it's not overly surprising, I guess, for me. I mean, I think he's a borderline wide receiver one. It's just not, it's just not overly surprising to see some of these guys fall the way that they fell, you know. I and when feel you got, like when it's you got, a lot more youth heavy than we usually see. And you got to factor in the rookie. Pitch. Yeah. And when you have me and Mark, obviously, and Brent, you know. I would say Brent. Brent's probably worse than the rest of us. He, he's yeah. on seven rookie picks at this point. <laughs> so almost half of his team is a rookie pick. Well, I mean, it, 
I mean, but that's the thing, though. When you start, when you start, have guys doing similar strategies across the board, you have three tight ends. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and that is the tough thing, though, because then you look at, you know, the guy with a third pick. He went pretty youthful for the most part. Um, you know, Michael and I, Eli mixing them in, Drez, you know, kind of mixing them in. It, it does make it very hard when a lot of the same strategies are, are being. I mean, yeah, we're. I, we're we're definitely all being helped by one person, though, with some of these picks, because... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 12 or 13 of the 17 aren't a running back or a wide receiver. So that definitely is pushing A lot things. of that talent down. Yes. So. What I didn't understand is, doesn't he have... Doesn't he, didn't this dude draft Mahomes, and then he just let Kelsey just completely fall out of the graceland for some reason? This is where once you get the feel for that, how that first couple of rounds of the draft go, it's, I knew pretty early on that, you know, some of these veterans were probably going to start falling would pick and choose where I was going to pick them up at. I mean, what are we looking at, at this point? What are we looking at? One, two, three, five, five teams, out, not including Eli's at this point, who are definitely looking like probably the compete right now teams. And then Eli's kind of the, Middle tier. Well, you, you have to remember six. Something. You have to remember something too here, though, is the X factor is this college. You know, these college players scoring yeah. for you. I mean, that's an X factor in in this sense because you know because that's going to give an opportunity and chance for some of these these teams that you know, like you, me, you know, number three. Um, yeah, I'm, you know what I mean. Like just I'm saying just talking when you look at this draft. Right, right, right. No, no. I, yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying that when you when you factor it in, if, if any of those guys, you know, such as the the guy at number six, you know, with all his rookie picks, you know, he might have just been like, I'm just going to try to make up for some of it in the in the Debbie portion, which is very possible. I mean, there's another twist here. So what team is it? What players score a lot of points in college football? Not always teams and players that translate to the NFL level, right? Right. Well, yeah, for sure. So there's also this twist of sacrifice where you could draft players that might never go to your NFL team, but are going to score you a lot of extra points at the college level. Yeah, and I think you got, I think you have to find a blend. I mean, I I'll, I'll be honest. I have not decided what I'm doing with my college draft at this point. If I'm going to try and go heavy scoring points early on, or if I'm going to build. Well, it's a little bit harder too right now without knowing what we're going to be picking. Yeah, that you doesn't know? change as much for me either, though, because even picking a twelve pick, it, there's so many college players that I think. I, I think for me, I'm going to try to do a good blend. I think early, I'm going to probably try to tackle as many NFL prospects as possible, and then later on, probably try to find those hidden gems and other areas to. We have position limits, right? No position limits. It's going to be all flex. It's going to be just two flex spots, though. That's it. Two super flex spots. Two super, two super flex spots. Sorry. Two super I got you. But and still, it, still all 10, flex otherwise. And 10 flex across the board. Dual, dual threat quarterbacks are going to be very to see where they go in the college draft. But I would much rather have the NFL side and balance it out if I can for myself right. personally. But, but, so. but like Eli is saying, it, it, some guys will just, you know. Cause yeah, yeah. You, you hold on to that young dual threat quarterback for three years. That's that's points, and then just rip, just drop them. And or you could just trade three of your first five picks. And <laughs> it will be very interesting though to see when the freshman <laughs> part comes around because then we won't know. This Debbie draft will be 
so crazy just because we know what these guys really are. Well, I mean, this we know freshman some draft, of them. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of them. This freshman draft coming next year for a league like this will be very interesting. Oh, yeah. I think the freshman draft in general just adds a whole different dynamic no matter which C2C league that we're doing it in. I mean, oh, it, it does. I mean, you think about one, you think about a running back that I won't mention any names at this particular moment in time, but if you think about a running back that didn't go in any, in either C to C league that we had last year, but went in every single Debbie draft in December. And then you think about another one that went, uh, did he go? I don't remember if he went into C to C leagues. I think he might've gone in one of them but didn't go in any of the Debbie ones. And now he's looking like he might fall into the top five of running backs coming into the rookie draft. So <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see how that works out. That Hey, when I did, when I did the concept of the little twist of not doing a rookie draft and then just saying, we'll just do a blind bid for everybody. Thousand bucks. I did not anticipate the level of strategy that was going to go into having to do that because it adds literally an entire different dynamic. Like I've, I've been looking at this draft going, why didn't we wait till after free agency to do this draft? <laughs> it would change so many things for somebody. Like, like Marlon, like Marlon Mack, I kept looking at going, I really wish I knew where Marlon Mack was going to play next year. If he's going to play anywhere, I would take him here, but I don't know, but I don't know, but I don't know. But that's why I did it now. <laughs> I know that. I understand. That's that. why I did it now. <laughs> driving me crazy with so many picks looking at some of these guys going. Well, I mean, think about some of the people are still on the board. I mean, James Conner still on the board. I know that we probably we're not very high on him, but I mean, he, you know, he's going to sign somewhere. Maybe he's still on the board. He's going to sign somewhere. I mean, he's still on the board. He's young enough that he's going to find carve out a role. It's just going to be what's that role going to be. So oh, yeah, I, that's that's why I didn't really I haven't really considered Gaskin at all at any point just <laughs> for that reason. Well, see to see. Debbie draft strategy. That's it for Dynasty Academy tonight. Have a good night until next week. <laughs>